Hello there, and welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and wellbeing consultant. I am going to take you inside the minds of some of Ireland's most inspiring inter-county GA players as we talk about life both on and off the field. In this episode, we are joined by Chloe and Shane Amori. Cousins born 10 days apart, they grew up together in Clare, where they both broke through to the senior hurling and camogie teams as teenagers. During this conversation, we discuss success, setbacks, and the decision to take a break from the inter-county scene after more than a decade of service. Together, they now run Mori Movement, a fitness facility in their hometown of Six Mile Bridge. This podcast is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas, life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to www.bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. But for now, please sit back, relax and enjoy the player's voice with Chloe and Shana Mori. I'll kick off the conversation just for for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, you guys are cousins that were born 10 days apart. I suppose one of the first things I was just wondering was, was the GA something that brought you both closer together as kids growing up? Like, to be fair, like the two of our families, like the Maury name is kind of, is hurling mad um, in the village. Like, so like ever since I suppose me and Chloe could walk, we've been brought down to the hurling field um, with like, you know, her father, Mike and my father, Pat, they would have been heavily involved in the club. Um, and I suppose we would have started under six training when we were probably three or four. So, you know, we'd go on to school together in primary school and then training each evening, like me and Chloe had probably been stuck to the hip when we were younger, like, um, and obviously, like, within the bridge community in Six Mile Bridge, the GA is massive, like, and it's kind of, you're nearly born into it, like, it's kind of in your blood. So when you grow up with a family that's heavily involved in it, like, it's just, that's all you know, like, you're, you don't even have a choice. Like you have a hurley shoved into your hand and that's it. Like and get get used to it. And that's what you're, that's going to be your life kind of a thing. But no, like it, it definitely brought the two of us together too in a way. Like, cause we, we both are extremely kind of um, fitness orientated and just love, love sports. Like, so I suppose when we were younger, we were just mad to get out and get moving and get running. And and the hurling training was that kind of release for, for us too. Um, yeah, for, I suppose there was no camogie team. Um when I was, let's say, when I was four or five. So Mike said, go on there now with Shana <laughs> and uh, up on to under six training. So I used to play with the boys um, right up to under 14. And uh, I used to love going up to Shana's house. That was my favourite thing to do. And Shana's always slagging me uh, still to this day about it. But I used to love going up there because it was like, you'd be going through fields and fields and fields. And I kind of live in the centre of Sixmore Bridge, whereas Shane lives on the outskirts. And we used to be climbing trees and they were making bone arrows out of flipping timber and the whole lot. And I thought this was <laughs> class up here. So, um, yeah, like I suppose, like Shane, as Shane said, we've been really close from a young age, but uh, Shane was always very good to me even with the when I was playing with the, the boys. Um, not that I needed too much protection now, but he kind of like would have acted like very much like my brother and made sure that I was okay. Um, and she didn't need any protection now, Alan. To be fair, she was going around leveling lads and <laughs> stuff like that. So there was no, no, no fear, Chloe. To be fair, no to her. Yeah, no, we're very close. We're very close. Chloe, you said playing with the boys up to under fourteen there or whatever. And I know from as I was kind of researching and reading up on you both. So like, like at fifteen, you end up playing in Crow Park against Offaly in an All Ireland Junior Final, right? Like a, that's an, an an adult level final in Crow Park. 
I suppose, what's your, what's your memories of that looking back now and how was that as an experience for you getting to do that at such a young age? Yeah, like class. I mean, isn't that what people dream of? Um, it's funny because when people take me back to that match, like I was whipped off after 22 minutes because my mouth was open. I was gawking out of the stand going, oh my God, is this actually happening? And uh, I always laugh every time someone brings it up because my memory of it is being whipped off after 22 minutes. And like, as I was taken off, I still didn't know what was going on. Like, and they were just, everyone was like, right, that was that was just too a step too far, I'd say for you. But um, like, it was a great experience. And like, I think I had been thrown into so many matches um, and different situations. Um, it was funny because the year before I was water girl, um, and so I got a great promotion the next year. I was starting midfield in that match against Offaly in Crow Park. Um, so a very good promotion. But like being involved in that environment or that atmosphere, maybe at a young age, like I'm not stupid to the fact that many people thought I was probably too young. Um, but my dad always said, like, if you're, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, and he was very good to me that way. And, you know, as I said, people had had their, you know, dismissals about me playing, but like Conan Hanley at the time was an excellent coach. He was probably my first experience of like a really good coach who really cared about the player, um, about life outside of Camogie and stuff and made sure that you were enjoying it. And um, I suppose I have him to thank then to start off my kickstart, my Camogie career, my senior Camogie career, Claire. Yeah, and I suppose, like, as you said, you, you get taken off early and that, and it's it's obviously such a, a big experience and it's probably in some ways an overwhelming experience. But I suppose now when you look back at it, like the, the length of the career you've had and the experiences you've had, what did, I suppose just some people might experience that and shrivel up and say, well, maybe I'm not cut out for that or that was too much. But I suppose what did that experience teach you that helped you kind of improve and move forward from that? I think that, like I... I loved uh, like a high stakes game or like I reveled in that. Like I might, like it's funny at the start of my career, Camogie career, I used to get very nervous before matches. Um, probably because I have really high expectations for myself, just like Shana would. Um, I don't particularly like being bad at anything and I will keep uh, grinding out something until I'm some way good at it. And I think from there, it kickstarted my um, kind of work ethic. And I always say this, that I think I developed this um, I'd like to think that I have a very good work ethic and I developed it from Camogie realising like the small things that you have to do to be, um, you know, considered like an elite athlete or that's, I suppose, I'm still trying to get there to be an elite athlete. And I think I learned from that age when I was in that atmosphere, that environment, you know, looking at uh, superb female athletes like Deirdre Murphy, uh, Sharon McMahon, Dee Corker and Cathy Halley. Um, they had been grinding out with Claire Camogie for years and I loved it and I loved trying to get the best out of myself. And I suppose since then, um, I'd be very, you know, in like that routine. And I love trying to figure out how do I get the best of myself um, in Camogie? How do I get the best of myself when it comes to business? How do I get the best of myself as a teacher? Um, and I think it was born really from then. So being involved in those those high stakes games or it's really that environment um, that I figured that I loved. And Shana, then your, your breakthrough kind of, or like I suppose it was, comes a little later in your teens. I know I was looking up and you were part of two Munster Miners. You've had three Munster and all Ireland or 21s and then you're part of the senior success of 2013. Like That's all kind of between 2010 and 2013. So there's a lot there in a short period of time. How special was that kind of, was that phase of your, of your life getting to experience all that and kind of, you know, Chloe's just touched upon it there, kind of breaking through and, and kind of pushing yourself to the highest level. What, Kind of how special was that time for you? Yeah, it's, it's a bit surreal to be fair at the at the time of it, like because we had we say we achieved so much in such a small space of time, and especially kind of at a, a young age that we all were, 
Um, we kind of, I suppose we just, we took a year on year, like, and it was just um, a case that I suppose we probably didn't really kind of develop after it in a way, like that we didn't achieve what we we felt like we should have achieved afterwards after winning the 2013. But um, it kind of, it, it was a bit surreal at the time. Like I suppose I was, 17, I was 17 when I suppose got the call up to the senior team. Um, and the same time I got called up to the 21s, like, um, and I suppose after the minor success, like it just kind of rolled on into 21s and then into the senior, like, um, and you just kind of, you don't, at the time, you don't really think about it much. You're just taking it game by game and, and year by year. And I suppose it was just, it's just a case of, we were just, um, you know, playing out of our skins at the time and we were the top team. And unfortunately we couldn't, I suppose, take that step forward to progress any further after 2013. But like, it was just, that's exactly what you dream of. Like when I first, I remember getting the call up to the senior team, I was actually, Davy Fitz was involved with our bridge senior team. And I was only 17 at the time, going down to train, and, and he just got the call up as manager. And I went down to the field to train, like, and I was just standing there at the, the sideline getting ready for our warm-up. And he just came over to me, and he kind of just, like, typical Fitzy, punched me in the chest. And he was just like, are you ready for getting called up to the Clare? And I was thought he was joking. Like, I was only, like, just turned 17, and I was kind of laughing at him. And I was like, no, you're not serious, are you? And he was like, honest to God. And it was kind of just, just hit me then, like, that Jesus, like, John, this is what I want to do. And it kind of just went from, you know, just crazy few years then with the 21 success going into the um, our learning the 21s um, and then to the, the senior in 2013 but like that was an exceptional group and a very young group and I suppose we had the potential to to go on and do a lot more but unfortunately just it didn't I suppose it didn't didn't equate to what we were, were hoping or were wanting um, but yeah that that they were the best years of my life now to be fair like um, you know it was is all surreal. Like you kind of only think about it when you're out of it. Now you look back on it, and then you're like, "God, look, look what we achieved and look what we did." But um, especially 2013, like we won won the All Ireland under 21, and we also won the All Ireland senior. Like, and that's that's what you dream of when you're playing hurling. Like you want to get to Crow Park and play those big games. Um, but yeah, they were an amazing days. To be fair, like um, it's just I suppose it was a pity that we couldn't build on from that and get a few more in. But um, sure, look, that's hurling, that's sports, and. It's a great. It's great to have hindsight and look back and say, "Oh, we could have done this or we could have done that." But um, you know, the the hurling championship these days is so competitive. You have to be at the top of your game every time, and if you don't, teams will just beat you. And I think that's what happened. Like we just we couldn't get um after twenty thirteen. I suppose we couldn't get that consistency that we we needed. Like we were kind of probably a hot and cold team that we played very good one day and then they go out and just couldn't put it over the line the next day. Like, um, but no, looking back on it, like it is. They're they're sure it's what you dream of when you're a hurler. Like. You want to be getting that Celtic cross, like, and you want to be playing across park. And I was very lucky enough in my career to say I've done that number of times, like so. Um, and that I suppose you you mentioned her 2013 there, Shane and Chloe. I'm right in saying like 2013, you got you got an All Stars Camogie player as well, right? Yeah, I was sick of the hurlers getting all the limelight. <laughs> I was just going to say um, you're it, it, you have to do a lot to compete for for some bragging rights in the family that year. Well, yeah. I suppose all joking aside, like for both of you. What was it like kind of having a cousin and someone you're close to who obviously is experiencing something similar and living a similar lifestyle, that, that someone that you trust that you can bounce off or that you can talk to or relate to? Was that helpful for either of you in any way? Um, is helpful for me. Um, Shana is like, he's very vocal all the time, even like he doesn't see it as hurling camogie. He sees it like his partner Orla, I play with Orla as well, we'll be very good friends. Like he sees us, he, we're all the same if that makes sense. So, 
Um, it's really nice to be in that space and we're always bouncing ideas off each other. Even now with the gym, like it's it's cool. We're bouncing ideas and how we should be doing things. Um, but like Shane has always been that way with me. Like it's we're all in the same um, level of footing. But at that time, 2013, um, it was like, now that I think back, like as Shane has said, you don't think about it until after the fact. Like, but it was, it was something special. Like I remember I was... Um, I was on the hill, I remember, for both of those games, like, and it was just carnage, I remember. Um, but, like, it was, like, the buzz and everything. And it was really cool um, when, I suppose, that Claire Hurland team were so successful. Um, I don't really think about the time I won the All-Star, really. It's 2013 is consumed when Claire won the All-Ireland um, because I had such a good time during it as well. And maybe the cherry on top was um, winning the All-Star. But I definitely think it's it's certainly helpful having someone like Shana especially when he puts us on the same footing, I suppose, and we can always bounce those ideas off each other as as athletes. Yeah, and I suppose just as, as I'm listening to you both there, like uh, one of the, another thing you have in common is kind of breaking through at a relatively younger age. Like, did experience success at such a young age? Was there any challenges to, to that for either of you? Yeah, most definitely. I would think, um, especially for myself, like I suppose I was... My hurling has been my life, and ever since I kind of started in with the bridge, obviously I was I was I was successful when I was younger, um, and I was kind of building a kind of a, I suppose a name for myself in the club. And then when I got called up to the county teams, um, I prioritised everything towards hurling. Um, so that's something that, in when I look back on, I kind of not regret, but um, you know, in hurling, anyways, I always say like when people say, "Oh, geez, you sacrifice a lot as an inter-county player," I never look at it like that. You don't sacrifice anything. I think you prioritize, um, and like we want to achieve the highest level. Like so, you prioritize. Am I going to do this to benefit me on the hurling field, recover for the next training? Like, training, like so, I don't see that you sacrifice like nights out. You sacrifice this or that. I think you prioritize. Like it's your decision at the end of the day. No one's forcing you to go to inter-county training. No one's forcing you, putting a gun in your head to train as hard as you can to achieve this or that. Like, it's it's a decision that every player makes. And, um, you know, you want to prioritise everything towards that. And I probably did that a bit excessively when I was very young. So once I got called up at such a young age, I was like, this, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm playing for Clare and that I'm achieving to the highest level. And, like, to be honest, like, I, I let the likes of my education and I suppose my professional career actually uh, slip a bit, which which looking back now, I shouldn't have done. Like, um, I suppose I started prioritizing other stuff towards hurling instead of like focusing properly on, on achieving kind of uh, high things in my education and, and high things in my professional career, which um, which when I, as I said, when I look back on, I should have, I shouldn't have done like, because at the end of the day, any inter-county player, once they're happy off the field, they're going to be even happier on the field, like, and you'll get the best out of players. Um, and I learned a lot, um, learned a lot with that, like, throughout my, um, I suppose, my career in the last few years, like, and I suppose that's one of the decisions is why I also stepped away was because of that, because I kind of looked at, look, I've prioritised so much towards this. I think I need to kind of focus on different other values in my life and other aspects. Um, but, yeah, like, I even remember when I was in college, like, I used to, like... We had a tough training that uh, one evening, like, and I was tired. I mightn't go to the morning lectures because I have to ever get recovery and, and stuff like that. Like, and you know, that's that's not right. Like, I should have got a good balance, and it's you know, it's about getting that balance in life, and making sure that you're kind of covering all aspects and ticking all boxes. Um, but it's definitely something that I probably let slip. I prioritize too much towards my intercounty and my fitness, like, um, which I, you know shouldn't have been the case, and I should have find tried to find that more balance in my life. Um, yeah, I think for like, similarly to Shane, I think um, 
not that it, it's funny, it's like it's a bit twofold for me. Maybe when I was younger, like, you know, everyone knew I love sport and maybe in my 20s it probably got a little bit harder because um, lots of girls were going on their J1s, they were going on holidays, they're going to social events. And it was my decision not to go. And I'm very much on the same wavelength as Shana. Like, I don't think it's a sacrifice. I think you choose to play. And it's a choice you make at the start of the year. Is this going to be one of my top priorities? And if it's not, then you shouldn't be playing. And um, from there, like, you know, every year I was like, yeah, I want to play for Clare. I love the buzz of it. Um, I love trying to get the best out of myself. Um, I want to win. And in my 20s, probably just earlier on, you know, like Shana, I was probably, you know, absolutely you know, madly driven about trying to win all of the time. Um, and from there, like, you're missing out on social events, but like a choice, but it is kind of hard. And you have to have really supportive friends and family to realise, you know, what in the name of God are you doing, Chloe? You know, especially when results aren't going your way, you know. Um, but like, I'm I'm really lucky with the friends and family I have. It would probably accumulate, like, it, it kind of came to a, a head, you'd say, then probably was it three, well, when I took decided to take the break there a year or two ago, because I, I didn't know why I was playing Camogie um, at that point. And I had to, I had to have a reason why I was doing it because I found myself kind of just coasting along and I didn't like coasting. I, I, I don't coast. I, if I'm doing something, it's no stone unturned. And that's been my mantra now for the last while. And I had to take a break to figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? Because Camogie has taken up a lot of it. And I'm so glad it's brought me so much joy and it's brought me so many things. My work ethic has come from it, my motivation, my drive, things it has done for me in terms of even being part of the GPA. But also then on the flip side, like I'd be going home cross after training. I'd be going to training cross. I'd be cross at training. Things weren't working out for me like they normally were. And I had to take a step back and realise like, why am I actually doing what I'm doing? Um, and I kind of figured it out over the pandemic. Um, and I'm kind of happier. I've realised there has to be more of a balance you know, like, it, whether that be with, like, teaching or setting up a business or other interests or giving time to other people, um, there has to be balance. And as Shana said, if you enjoy, like, if you have a happy life, I suppose, Camogie then will just kind of flow for you or vice versa, so. What changed for you, Chloe? What kind of drove that change of, um, like, you know, losing that sense of why you play? Was there circumstances around it that changed? Was it that you'd been at it for a period of time, kind of what was driving that question that you were asking yourself? It was probably like, I, I didn't find I was getting the best out of myself. I, like, as I said, my, my, my mood would change too quickly and too easily because of Camogie. And when I took a step back and like, my, I came in from training one day and I was bawling crying. Like, I mean, what age was I? I was 26, 27. And my dad was like, Chloe, this, you know, this, something isn't worth it if, you know, it's making this upset when it's supposed to be the complete opposite. And I think I have really high standards for myself and what I expect of myself in terms of camogie. Like I want to be, obviously I don't like being bad at anything. I don't mind failing. Like I failed more than anyone else. <laughs> but I wanted, like, you know, things weren't going the way they were supposed to in terms of like my freeze might be off. I wasn't as fast as I'd like to be. I wasn't as fit as I'd like to be. Um, now I, I, I am known to throw a tantrum or two and Shana will have found that out over the last few months. But I just get very, like I'd be very passionate about what I do. And... I feel like, you know, as, as time was going on, I was like, I, I just don't want to be coasting it. And I don't want when my camogie career ends to be like, oh, well, you know, I only kind of half did it or I give only 75%. I wanted to be like, I'm doing it for this reason, 100%, or I'm doing it for that reason. And I suppose I had to figure out, like, if, if you know, we're being honest here, you know, Claire, we're not getting to All-Irelands all the time and we're not even getting to semi-finals all the time. And we don't win an awful lot. And I've lost more than I've won. 
so why am I playing? Like, why am like? Because it can't all be about winning. Because if it was all about winning, I'd have given up long ago. Um, so I had to kind of figure out, and I think the Jim Madden leadership program, Alan, you know, we did it together mm-hmm. there. It kind of it was the start of like really reflecting on what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I thought it was a mature decision to go. You know, if if I'm not 100 percent about Claire Camogie, because you know Shane would attest to it too. If you're not, you can't play for Claire, whatever about every county, but you cannot play for Claire if you're not 100 percent in it and willing to give everything to it. And unfortunately, I wasn't about two years ago. Um, and I wasn't willing to leave no stone unturned. I needed to take a break to see, is this what I really want to do? And I'm glad it came full circle and realised, yeah, I love it. And I love it for whatever reason. Um, and it's not all about winning, unfortunately. I know people now listening will be like, sure, you know, this is what sport is all about. But like, I've had to find other things in why I do sport. It can't always be about winning. Because what if you're not always winning? Like, what's next? What's the other step? So, I just I kind of follow up on that, Chloe. Like, are you kind of saying that like it sounds like a lot of your identity and self-esteem was wrapped up in terms of your athletic identity and your performance in that regard. But then that like kind through the the Madden leadership program, which is something the GPAs like make available to players, did did that program kind of help you see the bigger picture or look at yourself more holistically in terms of kind of other pillars in your life or other, I suppose how your strengths or characteristics could be applied to other areas? A hundred percent. Like <laughs> I used to think I was just just a camogie player and that's probably what like you know if you talk to someone or meet someone they'll first ask you about camogie and obviously throughout the years what I'm I'm going into my 14th year now of playing for Clare like people would just be polite but that's the first thing they might know you that you know geez Chloe loves sports she loves camogie and so if that's the constant conversation you have you're wrapping up like as you say your identity in it and I used to think if I'm having a bad game or I was having a bad training or you know it would like that was the exact reason I'd be bringing it into I was doing a master's up in Galway like um, and I'd be cross going up there and then I'd be cross meeting people my friends and stuff and be cross at home like it was just kind of, like my mood would change too much and too quickly with camogie and I don't you know which isn't a healthy thing either like I love like I suppose the reason I found that I love playing camogie or I love sport even is that I get to be totally myself in terms of I can be really cross like really aggressive I can be really happy and I can be really sad like any sports psychologist listening to this is probably like, oh my God, that's not what you're supposed to do. But like, I don't care. That's the way I do it. And I love it for it because I suppose in society, in a normal day, I'm a teacher. I can't be really aggressive or, you know, can't be always really happy. Really, you know, you kind of keep it together a little bit. Um, and I find with sport, I'm allowed to be in that comfortable space of being myself. Um, and that's why I love it. So like, if you're looking then at my identity, like I've, I think I've, maybe just turned a little bit in much more of a healthy manner and figured out, well, like, Camogie has done this for me, but it isn't me, if that makes sense. I've gotten great stuff out of Camogie, but I also give great stuff back to it. Um, So maybe I've just, like, taken Camogie out of me, left it out, looked at it externally and goes, there's Camogie. Um, We're really mutually beneficial. We work really well together as long as I'm keeping the head all the time. Um, But, like, I've taken it. It's not an internal thing now. It's like an external thing. I look Camogie on the outside and, you know, it's a mutually beneficial thing. Shana, for you then, like, so obviously you've made a decision in recent years to step away as well. Um, I suppose, uh, listening to Chloe there, how much is that is, is relating to you or, or kind of, and I suppose if you could tell us a bit kind of what drove that decision for you and, and why you made that decision. Yeah, like I, I can kind of relate to what Chloe was on about a lot there, like what she was saying. Um, I suppose, like I suppose I came into it at such a young age and it was so intense for so long and we won so much in so little time that I felt that I was caught up in that, I'm Shane Amore, I'm a hurler, and that's something that I have to do. Um, and, like, that was every year, like, I was just 
you know, it, but that's all, as Chloe said, like the first thing that people meet you at is like, oh, you're the hurler or you're the Clare hurler or uh, this and that. Like, and you kind of, that's all you're looked at. Um, and it kind of got to me eventually like that. I was just being frustrated um, with my year on year. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And the last few years there, when I decided to step away, it was I was just getting fed up with it in a way, like, because... I was so long into it and it was so time consuming and as I said I prioritised so much towards it that I, I lost out on a lot of other things in my life um, and I felt that look I kind of made the decision then that as I, I was coming home just frustrated I was going to train and tired um, I kind of started progressing in my professional career with my job um, which kind of brought up a lot of um, kind of travelling and time consuming issues on, on that side of things so like I was just getting fatigued. I was going to train and tired when which you shouldn't be doing. Like I wasn't recovering well, and it was just getting to me uh, uh, mentally. Really, like that was it. it. Was nothing got to do with like I train all day for you, no problem, and I love focusing on my fitness. Um, but I was just getting to train and just not in the mood to train. And you know, when I kind of realized that you need to be given 100% if you want to achieve whatever you want to achieve in this. And I just felt like I was just doing it because I'm I'm the Clare hurler. That's that's my identity. I, sh- I need to be doing this. I need to go train for Clare. I need to go play. So it was kind of just the decision to look, I kind of finally grow up a bit and it's like, look, I need to step back, take that year out and, and focus on other aspects of my life. Um, myself and my partner, like uh, Orla, we're um, currently building a house um, so like, you know, and then I kind of wanted to progress a bit more in my professional career. And then myself and Chloe had the, the gym and the morning movement coming into play. Like, so I was like, you know, it's time to step back and, and focus other things in my area and kind of you know, work on my other aspect of, of who Shane Amori is. And he's not just a, a clear hurler and just plays hurling. Um, but like, I felt it, it was a tough decision for me, to be fair. Like it was kind of, I was battling it for a long time. Um, almost a year like the last year I played I was kind of still humming and hawing in between will I do it or will I not um, but it, it actually like my last year actually was one of the, my most favourite years and, and one of my most consistent performance wise um, but it was just the right decision that I made to kind of do step away and, and look, at, look at my kind of professional aspect and even just the relationships that um, I suppose um, I needed to build with my friends and my family and stuff like that too I am, you know, as I said, even my friends would have looked at when I was younger um, through my professional career, um, my hurling career, sorry, that like, you know, oh, sure, Shane is the hurler. He's not, if we don't want to ask him to go on a night out because he's not going to come or this or that, like, and I'd be a very, um, I suppose, introverted type of person anyways. I don't, I, you know, I, I'd battle through or I'd, I'd, I'd have bad kind of social anxiety and stuff like that too. So I kind of like being to myself and doing my own things, but hurling was always my escape. And when I went out there like Chloe, it was just, that's where it was my happy place. And I always felt comfortable on the hurling field. Like, and it was just where I just felt perfect, um, you know, happy in my in my body and everything like that. And I didn't have any, you know, anxiety, anything like that. Like, and it was just my happy place to be in. But I, I was, you know, I was proud of myself when I made the call just to finally look, it's, it's time to look at different aspects and um, focus 100% on other things uh, and build build up kind of my professional career and um, get this kind of gym up and running um, but it was it was a tough decision like and I know there's probably a lot of players out there that are probably kind of thinking like that um, but I was just happy to make the call and, and get those uh, the balance right in my life really You both have spoken there about kind of when athletes talk about a balanced lifestyle, you know, there'll be pillars like family and friends and a relationship or work or hobbies or sports. Like it, you're both kind of describing that like your sporting part of it just dominates, 
that was dominating your life and probably the need to maybe bring that down a bit and build the others up. I suppose then since you've both stepped away and, and had that maybe that extra bit of time to reflect and to, to work on other pillars of your life and also yourself, what have you learned about yourselves in that time? Because I know it's kind of easy to say, oh, I stepped away because I just wanted to, to have a think about stuff, parts of my life or I want to work on myself a bit. But I suppose if I could ask, what have you learned about yourself in, in, during, the, in this, during this period that you've given yourselves? Like, you know, just even as Shane was saying, just and following on there, Alan, probably interlinks, like, I, like, why didn't I make the decision earlier? And I was probably, like, afraid. I was, like, I was afraid to go well, what if I don't have camogie? What am I then? Do you know? And I was afraid to make that decision because I was like, you know, I was nearly like leaning on camogie a little bit. I was like, oh, sure, look, I'll have camogie, be fine, be fine. But like, I was always fearful, like, okay, if what, what am I without camogie, you know? And so I probably learned that, you know, and not blowing my own trumpet here now and then, but probably that I'm quite resilient. Um, Like to, and that I'm well able to adapt, like that, you know, that there's way more tummy than, just camogie, um, way more to me as a person to just camogie. And um, I've realised that I'm really lucky what I've what camogie has given me, like even let's say starting up this business now or, you know, when I take a look at teaching, how I teach or how I deal with people. Um, but I feel like being resilient to change um, in the best way possible where I adapt to it, I think I didn't know I was capable of that. I always just thought I was one dimensional. There you are. There's a camogie player. And I was like, oh, sure, that's all I'm known for or that's all I can do and whatever. And now after, you know, taking that break, having a think and going, geez, like I have a brain, I'm I'm well able to do things um, and I'm well able to use a skill set that I've used in camogie and bring it to other areas of my life in a really positive way. Um, and probably just to control maybe my like emotions towards things as well, like and come up with my own thoughts on it. Like I, I, I think it's great that like people use emotional nearly as a bad thing, but like, I'm. I would say I'm emotional, but like in the best sense of it. Yeah, I. I get really cross. I get really happy. I get really sad. Like, but and that maybe other people mightn't like that or think that's a good idea. But like, I know that that's what I am, and I'm very comfortable knowing that that's what I am. And I've realised that from taking the break, um, taking the break from camogie, and then now I have a much healthier view on camogie that I'm going to try go back this year if boss number one there is going to be able to allow for it with the business. But that. Listen, I'll, I'll leave no stone unturned. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I'm very happy to give my absolute best to it and actually be okay with, you know what? I gave my best to it and it didn't work out. And before that would have, that thought would have scared the crap out of me going, Jesus, what will I do if it doesn't work out? Whereas now I'm like, look, you know, something will work, it'll work out because I've, I've learned to be quite resilient and adapt in the best way possible. Shane, I have, haven't had some time away and just kind of following on to what, what Chloe said there. If if a teammate or, or someone you played with asked you for advice or that, that was struggling for sport life balance at the moment and asked you for some advice, what would what would you potentially say to them? Um, I suppose just talk about it to someone um, is the big thing. Like, And just get out, get it out there about your, you know, what you worried about or what, you know, what's in your head about it. Like, And why are you finding that you're kind of maybe prioritizing towards one area of your life more. Um, and basically, what do you want out of it too? Like, if, you know, I think you need to kind of find your why and why you're doing it um, is the big thing. Like, you know, so like, you know, every inter-county player should be coming into training and every session could be, why am I doing this? Like, and why am I training so hard? And why am I focusing so much into it? When I look back, I probably should have, I suppose, 
firstly realized that I what I was doing really like and prioritizing too much into it and just I kind of spoke about it I suppose um and kind of the GPA are there to kind of help players in that way and I would highly encourage someone just to to reach out and look at the kind of the player development schemes and the the kind of the I suppose the services that they have if any players are feeling like that or they feel like that they're maybe you know they're worried about their intercounty or to see their identity as just being a hurler and stuff like that like because I suppose in Clare when we were growing when we were in the intercounty scene um such a young age I don't think as a panel, we use the services enough. Um, I remember GPA kind of reps coming down to us doing their presentations and they'd always ask like, and tell us that Clare panel is probably one of the least percentage wise of players actually getting involved in services and stuff like that. Like, and I think really if you delve into what they can offer to you um, and just even just speaking to someone on you kind of sitting down with one of the player development officers and them kind of going through your kind of life, your professional career, your education and, and then your hurling career, like you can really kind of kind of get a sense of what you need to be doing to kind of be happy in all aspects of life. Um, and it's something that I, I didn't do when I was younger. Like, um, I was probably just getting caught up in kind of the the winning that we were doing so much in, in such a sort of space of time and just trying to get as much more of that as possible. And um, it just, you know, I just, as a young age, I was just focusing on that and I wasn't focusing on other aspects. Um, so I suppose like it's just talking about it really is, is um is the most important thing. Now I do feel like a lot of the intercounty managers and um teams that are there are delving into that a lot more. I think the, a lot of intercounty teams have learned a lot from it. Like and even speaking to former managers, that's what they're starting to do with underage players. Like it's getting the likes of your minors and under twenties um you know, right off the field, so they'll be perfect on the field. Like and I think that is is changing in the intercounty scene. I think we are learning a lot from past and um, past experiences of players and stuff like that. Like which is brilliant to see. Um, and hopefully we can see that throughout different counties. Um, and that's the most, most, the most important thing I feel like. I remember Jim Gavin, when he was involved with Dublin, the footballers, and they're so, so, so successful. He always kind of said that, like, if you take care of the player off the field, you'll get everything, um, from him on the field. Like, and I think that's something that uh, all inter-county kind of teams are doing at the moment. And, you know, the GPA is helping in. And I think people need to kind of use those services that are there. Um, that the GPA offer to, to the intercounty players. Like I only started using the services when I was about 26 uh, and 7 and 8, like from my last three years. So like, you know, if like if I got onto that when I was younger and kind of built up that, who knows, like, you know, um, you know that I could have probably realised this a bit earlier, um, earlier maybe it did, would have helped me. But sure, look, that's, that's hindsight. It's easy to say that. But um, it's definitely something that I, I would kind of communicate out to all intercounty players to delve into that and and get those type of talkings and meetings done with them because i suppose one of the things that comes up a lot during during these conversations with with players is that you know you kind of break through at a young age and it's really exciting and you get glamorous and people in the town are asking you about it and it kind of it all reinforces that sense of identity within you being the footballer the hurler the camogie player um, and then there's like the couple of years where you're in college where, Shane, I think you said it earlier, you can kind of get away with, listen, I'm going to skip that morning lecture because, you know, I'm an intercounty player and I'm going to really, I'm basically, an, I'm an athlete, so I've, I've got this, it's all good. And then you kind of graduate or transition out of that into the working world and where life starts asking questions, more questions of you. And what I kind of hear from both of you there is that like the more progressive players now or more progressive setups and managers are trying to fuse this in a way where sustainability is part of it, that it's not, I'm going to do this all in for two, three years, then step out for two, three years, maybe come back in. 
is the is the trick here trying to help people find a way to balance it and to have a sustainable dual career so that you can play on the field and express yourself and enjoy the game, but also build yourself up and ultimately, you know, have more success on and off the field in life? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, like, it, it's going to be very, it would be very hard to tell, even still to this day, knowing what I know now, uh, 15 to 21-year-old Chloe that, you know, camogies and everything... <laughs> I'd be laughing away, going, yeah, yeah, good one. Um, but like like Shane has said it there, you'll get the best of players if you're able to, you know, have that balance. And like it is, it, look, it is hard as well. Managers don't know how long they're going to be, you know, in their tenure, I suppose, when they're over a team. Um, but the best managers and the best coaches realise, like, just because I'm here for two or three years, like, it's not to try and, you know, get everything I can of them as a hurler, a camogie player, a footballer, and then that's it. That's my job. Like, the, the best coaches and the best managers see, like, player, you know, like, person first, player second, and realise, okay, what do I need or what can I, how can I facilitate this person to have, like, you know, like, that really good balance, like, you know, and I, it's about knowing the player. Um, I'm not saying, like, you hear about it all the time, like, like a player's manager. Like, I'm not saying that... Um, managers have to go around and be buddy-buddy with them. It's more just like knowing someone's environment or their circumstances and realising it to be tailored. And it's a really hard job, I'd say, to be a coach or manager. Um, but like from a player's point of view, if you were telling this to coaches or to managers, having that, being able to try and figure out, it's kind of like teaching, I suppose. If you know the student in front of you, I mean, they might only be sitting in front of you for 40 minutes, you know, and as much as I'd like it to be, geography isn't the be-all and end-all for that student in front of me. Um, so, you know, it's about knowing the person in front of you and trying to get the best out of them by relating to them or trying to figure out their circumstances of their environment. Um, and I would say, yeah, as a 28-year-old now, um, balance is key to have to, to longevity as an as a inter-county athlete. Um, so yeah, you're right. This sustainability thing is, I think, is really important. And like, you know, the the GPA have been, they're immense at it. Um, and you know, so uh, both of you now sitting here talking, you've made a decision to go into business together. I know you've you've mentioned it and touched upon it throughout the conversation. More movement. If I was to ask you both, I suppose the decision to to start a business um, takes courage. There's practicalities and work that you probably didn't emphasize emphasize at the time. You know, you have an idea and you think you're going to go for that and it'll be great and exciting. And then there's the practicalities of, of actually starting a business. What's been the kind of most challenging or hardest thing about setting up a business and kind of embracing that entrepreneurial spirit you, you both clearly have? For me, it is probably trying not to, like in the best way possible, trying to make sure that Everything is the way, like, like I suppose the planning of it, like, it's on my mind 24-7. And I'm trying to learn, like, and I think it's actually coming from a camogie thing, not to let it consume me. And I know anyone now listening be like, uh, you've just started your business, you don't have a choice. But there's definitely times, like, obviously it's always on my mind, but like, am I thinking about it productively? Because if I'm not really thinking about it productively, if I'm just letting it consume my mind, especially if I'm in the company of someone, or like if I'm teaching and stuff, it's probably important that I need to, you know, hold that thought, write it down and try to get back to it when I'm going to be productive about that thought. Um, I think Shana has been saying something similar to me recently, like it's obviously you want to make sure it's trying to think about what your clients want, uh, what this person wants, what this person needs. Um, and I suppose the business that you're in, 
um, and I've said this before, so I, I'm a teacher and um, I'm obviously doing this where I'm training people. I'm in a business where you nearly put other people first, you know, for the time that they're with you. You kind of have to, um, whether that's the student in front of me or whether that's a client who's come to me for help because they're being vulnerable in those situations like we've spoken about. And so it nearly, it, it, it does take a lot out of you or it, it can drain me as a person, which is fine. Like, I've, I, like, I like the jobs that I'm in. I, like, I'm so lucky that I have to be able to do what I'm able to do. Um, but trying to learn to make sure that I'm taking care of myself a little bit as well, because I'll be good to nobody if, uh, if I haven't taken care of myself. So it's probably the most challenging thing in terms of like setting aside thoughts, but in a productive manner and making sure that I'm doing my absolute best for students in front of me in teaching. I'm doing the absolute best for Shana and the business. And I'm doing the absolute best for like my relationships with my family and friends. And it's like, so like, Chloe, you're a, you're a history and geography teacher, Shane. I know you're a safety advisor that's ultimately, you're all, you audit hospitals in terms of safety and disposable, right? Um, I'll throw this one to you first, Shane. It's like, where does that motivation come from to, to launch a business on top of, of already having a full-time job? Um, you know, we've talked earlier on about life balance and playing and working. And then I suppose, where's the motivation or the drive come from to add an extra strand to your career and the professional part of your life? One of the reasons is it's it's my love and passion, like it's exercise and fitness, and it's something that I want to delve into anyways, um, is was one of the kind of key areas of getting in. Like anyone that knows me probably knows I'm a bit of a, a fitness fanatic, like and that it's keeping me away from the gym or keeping me away from exercising is the issue, not getting me in there. Um so like if you were to like a few years ago, like I remember speaking talking, I think it was Orla, we were just chatting away, like and we were like, Oh, what would you do if you won the lotto? And like uh, my my first issue was like I'd build a nice house in Six Hundred Bridge and I'd open a gym. Like that was literally if I was a millionaire, that's what I would do. And the fact that I'm doing that now is just a bit surreal to me. Like and it's it's my passion in in, in life and it's something that I always wanted to do. And it also kind of goes back to I suppose our hurling and camogie careers. We I suppose we're extremely determined type of people and we want to be the best in everything that we do. So um, you know, I suppose that was something that when we came up with the idea, we just wanted to be. Don't put, put everything into it and um, don't achieve 100% to the best of our ability uh, of it, uh, really. Like, and I think we're just very determined type of people and um, that's what we're doing now at the moment. Like, so I know it's tough that we're doing it on top of being full-time jobs, but it's, um, I think, just our type of personalities, um, you know, we'd put 100% into it and do everything we can for it. And I think that's shown in the last few weeks and the months of the amount of work that we've done for it. And... Um, as I said, from my perspective anyways, it's just, it's my love. Like, it would be my dream job is to run this and to get it going and, and to do it. Like, there's nothing I prefer to, to do in, in my life because I'm just that much into kind of my exercise and, and into my fitness um, and just helping others then too. Like, so I suppose from my perspective, like when I exercise and when I go to the gym, that's my happy place. Like, that's when I feel most comfortable in myself and that's when I can, I'm like, I suppose happy and um with what I do like I've no like so like any issues or stress that I have in life just goes the minute I step into an, an area that I can exercise and in and um just providing that to other people because I know how important um kind of mental health is to people and and the benefits of exercise that can do to your body I suppose like I've been so training so hard for so long that I know the benefits of being in a in, in a fit state within, within yourself and uh, the the kind of confidence it can give you and the benefits it can give you to outside life and it'll you know once you build that confidence it'll it'll push you on further in different aspects of your life so the fact that I can provide a service and a facility for other people in that area is a big motivator to me 
Um, and I you know, the fact that I can give back to my community that's been so good to me over when I was growing up through my hurling career and stuff like that is is another kind of benefit and a and a push to keep me driven for it, like to keep it going. What's one thing you've learned about yourselves since kind of launching the business? I know you're, you said you're a couple of weeks in there. What's something that you've learned about yourself? Because you're obviously you put yourself into a slightly different environment, to a different context, challenge yourselves in a different way. Is there something that you've learned the last couple of weeks that jumps to mind or, or sticks out? Uh, that I've lots of patience for certain people I work with. <laughs> no, um, I... <laughs> Um, probably, I maybe just um, that I'm well able. Um, I know that's very like kind of throwaway, but like I am. I Shane will probably say this. Like I, I love getting perspectives from. I'm really open minded, and I love hearing people's opinions and stuff. Like, and I mean that's a good and a bad thing. Like anytime I have an idea, or anytime I want to do something, um, I like make sure that I get everybody's opinion on it as best as possible. Try get the best of the best opinion. And Shane, I'll probably, like, I'm constantly up to him every day asking him, like, oh, is this how you do this? Is this how you do that? And what do you think about this? And he's probably sick of me asking him questions, but I love asking questions. And I think I just have to back myself a little bit more. I, I think sometimes I look for reassurance too much. But over the last few weeks, um, it's funny, like, it's been, like, kind of, you know, step by step and step. And next thing I'm looking at um, a gym with my name on it, which is class. So, you know, if I just... I just sometimes need to kind of reflect back and go, yeah, I am actually well able because look where I am. Um, there's so much more still to do and I'm really excited for what's ahead of us. But I think if that's one thing I've learned, like, yeah, I'm well able. So just keep plowing on. Brilliant. Shane, what about yourself? Um, you can't yeah. use the patience answer as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose... <laughs> <laughs> you need patience when you work, Chloe, not to be fair. So. <laughs> um, but no, I suppose from my own perspective, what I've learned is... I suppose that I'm happy in myself. I don't know, like, that, like, as I said earlier on, like, I'd be a very introverted, kind of, I suppose, quiet type of person. But, like, as Chloe said, I feel I'm well able to do it. Like, so now, like, I need to, I've big confidence in myself now when I speak up or when I kind of lead people um, and take classes, like, and I, I've kind of, I've, I suppose I got happy, I kind of got happy in myself and that I can do that and perform in that way. Like, I, I, I'd be a very, when I was growing up, I'd be a very quiet boy. Like I wouldn't talk or I, even in, in social aspects, like I was, I was always very quiet and I'd, I'd even avoid social occasions because that's like my anxiety about social kind of speaking and talking like that. Like even when I was in Hurling, like with Claire, like I'd, I'd always perform on the field and do my talking on the field, but I'd be very quiet in the dressing room. I'd be a very quiet type of player, like, um, because of, that's my personality and that's my style. But, um, I suppose I've kind of learned in myself that I'm well able to do that like and I'm confident in myself when I do it like and I need to realize that look it's only a thought in your head that you're afraid that maybe if you speak out that people will think this or that of you like but you know if you just do it and and um I suppose the gym and the the area the the facility we have is kind of opened that up in, in me a bit more like and I'm uh getting you know, confident in myself that I can perform like that way like and it's I think that's a big learning curve for me I'm just so happy in 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 my personality and the way I am and um, realise that I can do what, I, you know, what I'm doing at the moment. Like, Does it mean that little bit more to you both that you're, you're supplying, uh, you're providing a service that you both are passionate about, that you care for um, within your own community? I mean, it, throughout the conversation, you've both spoken about pride of place and to be proud of where you're from and growing up together. 
does that make it that extra special that to be in this together, doing it for your like for your community, for the people around you, to maybe getting to know some people better and getting to know some people for the first time? Um, yeah, maybe. Like, I mean, I didn't even. I've actually never thought of that, Alan, and that's a really good way of putting it. Um, I don't like. I don't see it as us doing something for somebody. I actually feel anytime someone steps in, I'm like, Jesus, thanks so much for coming. Like, I hope you have a really good time. So, we like, I haven't haven't thought of it that way that we are doing something for somebody else. Like, um, I always think that we're nearly indebted to people who come in the door, and we learn so much from people who come in and like just dealing with different personalities, like learn about people. Like you see these people probably walking on the street um, and you just pass them by. But now that they're coming into your place, you get to learn a lot about people. And I mean, you know, learn about different people's environments and perspectives only makes for better people. So um, if anything, me and Shane are really lucky that we get to come across the people we do every day. Is it nice that it's in Six Mile Bridge? Absolutely. We both love Six Mile Bridge. Um, but we've had people come from you know, back West Clare and from different sides of Clare and everything, just just coming up to use our facility because they've heard, you know, it's only been three weeks, but we've a really nice concept to what we're doing. And uh, like, you know, that's the biggest compliment anyone can pay us at the moment. Like, it's funny that you say three weeks, like it honestly has been, it feels like it's been months already, but um, it's we're just so excited because we have so many plans and we're just trying to get it off the ground. But like, we have so many really exciting ideas that, Shane has stopped me from doing from the start, like having this big, I wanted to get a big foam pit or we wanted to, and he was, oh, that was so funny when we were starting out planning, I wanted mad things all together and Shane, I was just like, going, that is not going to happen. So we've had to really scale back. But when we get going, we have, we have mad, mad ideas that we want to give a go. So it's a really exciting time for both of us. It's um, just as a kind of, as we look to wrap up this conversation, I don't like, so like, You've both talked about kind of the personal journeys that you've been on, kind of starting out like all in on, on your sport and then kind of padding out who you are, learning to use your skills and be true to yourself in, in other areas of life. Like the like the GPA, they recently launched the Bio360 program. And the, I suppose the, the four main pillars of that for anyone that's listening that doesn't know that are as one life skills, two transitions, three well-being and four dual career like, as I throw those four pillars at you, like, which one of those pillars, I suppose, w- has had the most benefit on you, like, in terms of working on yourself, in terms of the life skills, the transitions, the well-being, dual career, which one putting time and energy into has really helped you the most grow? I'd say for me, the idea of that transition, that, like, to me, when you say that, it's like change. So we have so much stuff going on in our life at the moment, like, you know, my job as a teacher, my job as um, a business owner, it's separate from my job as a trainer at the gym, which is separate from my Camogie career, which is separate from my relationships with my friends and family. So being able to go through those all and, you know, sometimes you have to try divvy them up a little bit and keep them in their own bubble sometimes. But like if you, they're all interchangeable, even with the life skills one, like, you know, Camogie has allowed me to see parts of myself that would be really well or, you know, really well and down to the business side of things um but I think that transition is really important because I've realized how important it is sometimes sometimes things have to go in bubbles just for if that's a few minutes a few hours a few days to focus on one thing because you know doing them all at the same time and thinking about them all at the same time you're probably not going to get the best out of yourself in those things whereas I'm much better now at kind of planning my time and realizing you know going from one to the other and when I'm in something whether that's even just having a conversation 
uh, with one of my family and friends that I'm really in that conversation. I'm not trying to think about something else. Now, it's still a learning curve, um, but whatever I'm doing, I'm doing that. And then I transition out of that and I go to something else. So when you say transition, that's what that means to me. And I think it's quite important. Shana, what about yourself in terms of those four pillars, the, like the life skills, transition, transitions, well-being, dual career? Is there any of those that kind of you relate to or anything that pops out to you in terms of those four pillars? Yeah, def- I, just, I agree with Chloe, kind of, I suppose that's what I would be thinking too, is, is I suppose being in the moment of what you're doing. Um, so like, you know, when I'm working with Morning Movement, I'm 100% in that. And then when I'm maybe with my family, family or friends that I'm 100% in that moment and that, and I'm not thinking of other stuff or I'm not letting that affect what's happening at that moment. Um, and I suppose also the well-being point of view, like is, is just being happy in, in yourself and what you're doing. And and I kind of reiterate back to what I said at the start, is like finding your why in what you're doing. Like, so like, you know, looking at your job, professional career, or looking at your hurling career, John, if if you write down of why you're doing this, like what is your, why is there a reason for why you're performing or why you're playing hurling, why you're playing for your county or like, why are you in your job? Is that the job that you want to be in? Um, you know, and writing down kind of your ambitions in life and and focusing on that is, is a big thing. And I think that's, as I said before, like the, the fitness in the gym is, is kind of my passion and that's why I'm doing this is because it's my love and it's what I want to do. Um, and I suppose looking back in your inter-county career, you, you need to figure out why you're doing it. Like, and if, if those, if you don't have those whys, then you kind of just, I suppose, need to look at and re- re-register and rethink of, okay, w- w- what should I put my energy into? Because um, at the end of the day, like, you know, the years clock on very quick. Like, I still think of myself as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, but no, I'm 28 now when I'm responsibilities and I'm getting older. Like, so it's, it's, um, it's just about focusing on, on what you want to do and, I think that's something that I learned in the last few years, like of what's my why. And I've kind of really kind of, you know, they, you can keep them to yourself. Like you don't have to share them, but like, it's just making sure that you're giving a hundred percent in everything that you do. Um, and you know, that's what I feel like I'm doing now in my life. And I'm you know, happy in what I'm doing. I suppose last question that I'd, I'll throw to both of you is if any male or female intercounty player is, has listened to this conversation, um, is thinking about maybe they're at a crossroads or has thought about reaching out to the GPA before, but maybe hadn't followed through. What would what would you say to them? It's hard, like, to be, you know, go for it. But do you know what I found um, for myself? And I actually found talking to other people about this um, when they were thinking about the GPA. Um, and I remember saying it all the time. Oh, like, for example, um, do you know those coaches, Alan, they give you those kind of, like, for a better word, but like a life coach or like, you know, a personal growth coach where they, they try to figure out, they see the person and they're trying to figure you out as a person a little bit or help you figure yourself out. Um, I remember when that was an option um, to go to that and I remember saying, sure, she said, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, why, why would I be going there? And that's the exact reason why you go. Um, you don't have to know what you want. You, you'll be so surprised, like, sitting down with one of those people um, who I thought was actually probably the best part of the GPA uh, to date when I got um, a coach to to talk through, like, just, like, I was actually doing all the talking and from there I figured out what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it and made me reflect a little bit more. So, you know, you were saying, like, I, I just said there, oh, just go do it. You, you don't actually have to know what you want nearly. If you just want to talk to a coach and just go, I'm at a crossroads, I actually haven't a clue what I want. I know that I play camogie. I know that I do this. I don't really know what I want after that. And that's, 
not knowing what you want is nearly all you need to know. <laughs> and they, they, they'll help you really from there. And because I can guarantee you, I had an absolute notion when I did that Jim Madden. And from there, I got that coaching and it was probably the best thing that I ever did. So you don't have to have all the answers. That's the point of going here, um, that they help you find them. So Great. And Shana, yourself? Yeah, it's to reiterate what Chloe just said is just to just to reach out. Like it doesn't if, if you're nervous about speaking to someone or anything like that, like just you just a message and they'll contact you through email or they'll text you or whatever like that. Like it's it's just making that first step and it's the same as even the gym aspect. Like the hardest thing is just stepping into it or actually doing it. That's gonna be the hardest thing. And you know, the services that are there for the players and county players are exceptional. Like and all the people that are gonna reach out to you and help you are, are professionals in their own setting and they know exactly what to do and as Chloe said, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a list of this is what I want to do with my life. Don't I have it, everything box ticked and like stuff like that. Like they'll help you in that. Um, and it's it's just about reaching out. It's the toughest part. Like it's like Anton. Um, you know, we always say it to people when they when they're standing there for the first session, it goes, Congratulations, like you've just done the hardest part, is literally just being here and showing up. It's always gonna be the 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 toughest thing to do. Um, and it's the same with that. Like, so if you do have any kind of hesitation or you kind of are maybe have a few questions about things like just just uh, delve into the services that are there for the players and and I'm, I, I'm telling you they'll, they'll help you in any way they can um, and it's just as, as I said just taking that first step is the big thing Chloe Mori Shane Mori thank you thanks very much Alan no bother at all and appreciate having us in here. thanks very much I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Players Voice podcast Brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To get all future episodes, make sure to subscribe by searching The Player's Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's BO360 program at www.bo360.gaelicplayers.com. My name is Alan O'Mara, and I'm so proud to be part of these honest and insightful conversations. To find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, please go to www.realtalks.ie or find me on Twitter and Instagram at AOMTheCat. Thanks for listening.